to the Cover Crop Strategies podcast. I'm Sarah Hill, Associate Editor. Today's program is brought to you by Yetter Manufacturing. I'd like to take a moment to thank Yetter Manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode. With a tradition of providing farmers solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Today, I'd like to introduce Rob Ewald, a grower from Davenport, Iowa. Rob will be discussing his upcoming presentation at the 2021 Spring National Cover Crop Summit. Welcome to the podcast, Rob. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Looking forward to it. All right. So let's start out with with a basic question. Give us an overview of your farm. How long you've been farming? How many acres? The different types of crops you grow? Those types of things. All right. Well, I've... uh... You know, this is a family farm, second generation here. We're about eighth generation in Iowa. I came home from college in 96 and, and took over farming. From my, I farmed with my parents from 96 till 04. And then in 04, my wife and I then bought out the operation. My parents, they retired. They moved into town and, and then we moved out here to the farm where we live just west of uh, Davenport. So it's kind of neat. We're like, we're three miles, four miles north of the Mississippi River, which kind of throws people off because they think the Mississippi goes north-south. And where we're at, we're right on the nose of the, of the river, as we say here. So, okay. uh, So I've been farming full-time. We have about 1,100 acres of of land between pasture and, and row crop. We row crop about 900 of that. We grow Primarily corn and soybeans are our main crops. We also grow alfalfa hay. Um, we're right outside a, a larger metropolitan area, about 200,000. And, and there's a lot of horse facilities around here. So we, we're fortunate enough to be able to make some horse quality hay and then supply that to different horse stables around here. It's pretty much the operation. We have a cow-calf operation that we, that we have uh, running on the on the creek pastures around here that we have because we're right along the, the river bluffs, um, and we also have a we're a contract grower for a hog operation, uh, so we bring in wean pigs to finish. So we utilize some hog manure on some of our crop ground. Great, sounds you're busy. Well, it, it keeps me out of the bars. Let's put it that. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how long you've been using cover crops in your operation and, uh, what motivated you to get started using covers? So to be honest with you, we, we started using cover crops probably for a more selfish reason than it was for, for soil health. Uh, right when I came home from college, uh, we were always chopping silage, uh, for, for our cow herd and, and for backgrounding calves. And, and so we just... Um, one of our agronomists said, Hey, why don't we try to do this? We can maybe when we, when we chop the corn silage, just put some cover crop on. And at that time it was cereal rye and that's predominantly what's used in the area anymore. Um, it's just easy to get a hold of and it's easy to, to take care of, you know, to seed down. Um, it's very forgiving 
cover crop, I think. Uh, so that that started it off, and that way we could chop and have some less expensive forage to feed the cow herd. You know, we would chop it in the spring, uh, late spring, let it get some growth to it so we had some tonnage, and then, and then a lot of times we'd come back and follow that with soybeans um, right behind. And, and so we started doing that in – uh, you know, back in 96 and just kind of kept with that for a while. We really didn't look at it as, as what it could do for the soil health until probably we kind of, we were always trying to change over to no-till and, and trying to, and go that route. And we were just until it was a drought in 05. And it was like about a four county area, very, very specific here. And where we had chopped the rye that spring of 05, we had a 16 acre field that we finished up chopping on half of it got chopped for silage and therefore got cover crop. The other half was bare corn stalks. And uh, when that, that fall, it was, it was a pretty bad uh, bean harvest because we just didn't get any rain. I think we had about two or three inches of rain the whole growing season. And uh, that, that yield map that we saw for that 16 acres from the soybeans, um, the field averaged 24 bushel of the acre soybeans. That was just a terrible crop for us. But what we learned from it is where the beans were planted into cover crop, we grew 36 bushel beans. And where the beans were, were, were drilled right into, into standing corn stalks and they didn't have any weeds in them, they were clean, um, it only did 12. So that was, uh, you know, we all talk about an aha moment and that I guess was my aha moment saying, Hey, there's something to this cover crop. We got to figure out what it was and, and how do we utilize this in our operation and, and to benefit us economically and environmentally. I mean, all of those things that we look at. Um, and that, that was pretty much it. And then, and then we've, we've experimented from then on and, and and we can go into that later if, if you would like, but but that's that's mainly where we really got going into it. <laughs> that's a great analogy with the aha moment. I love it. Talk a little bit about the challenges that you've encountered along the way as you've been implementing cover crops in your operation. I think I think I mean there's there's lots of different challenges. How do you do it? Uh, do you fly it on? Do you air seeded, blow it on? Do you just spread it with a, with a fertilizer buggy? Uh, you know, those are some of the challenges. What do we use for cover crops? Do we, a lot of it depends on how timely we are in our harvest in the fall as to when we can apply certain things. You know, we've tried a lot of different things. We've used a helicopter. We've used an airplane. We've used uh, a buggy. We've used a grain drill. And now what we use predominantly is a vertical till machine with an air seeder on it. And that's what we found works the best for our operation. We can, we can cover a lot of acres at a very high speed with a lot of, uh, with a very wide implement. So that's, that's what we found works the best for us. Um, we don't, uh, we're, we're, that vertical till machine is sizing up some of our corn stock residue that when some of these stalks are getting harder and harder to, you know, they have a great strength, but that means they decompose slowly. So this, what we found is it helps in the decomposition, but the vertical tillage tool really isn't, we're only going about an inch deep and we're not disturbing very much ground to get that seed to soil contact. 
Um, so the only time we run that machine is when we do have serial ride in the, in the air seeder. We don't even, we don't run it for just for the vertical tillage practice. We, I didn't find that big of a benefit. The big benefit was in the cover crop seeding. So um, some of the challenges we've used perennial rye seed once one year we did it and we won't ever do it again. It was just tough to get it killed in the spring. It takes a lot of heat um, to make that one and absorb some of the herbicides that we were using to try to kill it. And that was a disaster. Uh, the reason we used it, I, I thought was a great reason because it was a smaller seed. We could get more seeds on the helicopter and, and, and be able to spread more. Um, but the helicopter uh, did not know what he was doing. We had 60 feet that was really, really dark green. And then we had about 60 feet that was bare. So he wasn't spreading what he thought he was spreading. Um, that was one of the challenges. Um, if we're not flying on in August, there's, you know, we've used, uh, what have we, we've used some tillage radish. The, the challenge with that is getting it on early enough to get enough bang for your buck before you get a frost around us. Um, uh, there's, there's some people that like to fly stuff on. I, I just, I, I, it works. And, and when the weather's bad, we have to fly it on. We, we do. Um, I just think we have to spend a lot more money to get the right amount of seeding rate and the, and to get the right amount of germ happening when we fly on. That's one of the bigger challenges just is really, and I'm a bad one at it is trying to figure out the economic return on it. Um, you know, I've, I've done, I was asked to, participate in a study and see if I had good enough records to show what our benefits were from it. And I really didn't. I, I know in my heart that, you know, I know this is the right thing to do. I can see our yields improving year after year after year by using cover crops and, and no tilling. And, and it's the whole system. It's not necessarily just solely on cover crops. It's just the whole system and how we do things. And, and that's, but that's one of the big challenges is trying to say, hey, economically, I get people that come up, well, why do you do it? Don't you think it costs you money? And I said, well, no, it doesn't. It, it costs some money, but I think there's return. And and I'm that's one of the challenges is actually coming up and saying, hey, here's my economic return on cover crops. That's a, that's a big challenge. So that's some of the things that we've dealt with. We tried some clover in, in cover crop, but you really don't get the nitrogen capturing benefits come after we need to terminate for our for our crop the next year so that's that's one of the issues that we deal with um like i said around here the main success story has been cereal rye or winter wheat or oats if somebody doesn't want anything greening up in the spring um i i to me if we're going to put a cover crop out there let's get some green up in the spring let's get the micro the microbes woke up with some live roots in the spring of the year. And, and so if we're going to go out there and spend the money in the fall, let's make sure there's something there in the spring growing. So talk a little bit about what your goals are for using cover crops. I guess our, our goals are try to, you know, in the short term, one, we want to get them seeded in as quickly as we can to get that establishment in the fall. I, we're not putting any, the only thing in our operation that we, the only fertilizer that we put on in the fall is, is when we haul our manure from our hog barns. So we, we do our best to get that manure on. And a lot of times we will plant cover crop before we put our manure on because it seems like 
when you have a custom manure hauling, it seems like you're always at the end of the line. So it's normally, you know, first week in November when we're finally getting the, the, the custom applicators to show up. So obviously we don't want to put the cover crop on later than that. We want to do it earlier. So we got, we have some growth. Um, and, and so our main goal with that is when we know we're going to get manure put on certain farms, we want to make sure that we have that cover crop established. We don't mind driving over it. We want it there to capture whatever nutrients are available right away to try to tie that up. Um, one of our main farms that's, that's very close to the hog buildings, which obviously is in the rotation for the manure, it has, it, we were fortunate enough, we put a bioreactor on that farm. Um, and so we can do water sampling very easily out of our tiles. The NRCS, we partnered with the NRCS, uh, well, I should say with IDOLS is who we partnered with here in Iowa, Department of Ag Land Stewardship and the, and the pork producers and ourselves. And we all partnered up to build this bioreactor. And then, and then uh, so that way we get water quality because we knew we were going to put hog manure on that ground. Well, to be honest with you, when we cover crop, and we have a good good uh, stand established, and then we come in with our manure. We really aren't. <laughs> we're not really seeing much happening in that in in our uh, water sampling. We're not seeing an increase in, in nitrate load at all from a year when we do manure on that farm versus the year when we don't do manure. Now I realize every year is different, but you would think you could see a trend over several years, like we have, and we're just not seeing it. So that tells me our cover crop's doing what we want it to do. It's, it's holding some of those nutrients that might be a little bit more volatile, holding them in that root zone where we want them. So that's our main goal. The other goal is to get good coverage and good establishment just for surface erosion. We aren't able to cover crop all of our acres because we just, we're so late in the fall getting done with the rest of our harvest that it just doesn't, we combine some of the stuff early. We put our cover crops on those until we kind of run out of the seed to be honest with you and then we and then normally by that time we're getting into you know the the late october and then early november and we're not seeing a whole lot of benefit out of the cover crops you know there there is in the spring but we're not seeing it in the fall so we just we're kind of ready to wrap up by that time to be honest and those are some of our goals you know we want to increase organic matter the best we can it the the secret to to fertile soil is your organic matter. The secret to water holding capacity is your organic matter. So anytime we can increase the size of that sponge by planting cover crops and increasing our, our organic matter, then yay for us, it's a win. All right, very good. So you kind of have alluded to this a little bit already, but talk through um, which cover crop species you use and, and why you have chosen those specific species. Well, to be honest, I mean, my number one cover crop that I go to is cereal rye. And, you know, <laughs> for lack of anything else, I, I just call it idiot proof. It really is. I mean, we can go out there and we can, uh, I have neighbors that, that spread it they, and they literally take a fertilizer buggy out there and they throw it out there and it grows. I have people that fly it on with airplanes and it grows. It, it, it grows in the, you know, when they fly it on with airplanes, sometimes if you get enough moisture in the fall before harvest, you can see some of them growing in the ear shank on the corn, you know, so it grows about anywhere. It's easy for us to, uh, to source cereal rye in our area. My second go-to would be winter wheat. 
Uh, winter wheat is pretty easy to source in our area too. Economically, it, I think it's those those two. You know, you could go back and forth with them. Depends on what what price the you know what the what the cost of that is at the source where you're going. Um, so those are the two that I found. If we get the most bang for our buck, we can get get it established early and it grows fast. You know, I, I like the tillering aspect of it. I, I, I like how you can get more plants from one seed when they tiller out to the side, you know, uh, but to be honest with you, it's idiot proof. So I, that's why I use it. Um, it, it flows well in our, in our air seeder and, uh, and, and it's easy to find. I have a lot of neighbors that, that will grow that we have grown it in the past. There's some years where we have some smaller fields that lend themselves to growing, uh, you know, we'll put cover crop in and we'll say in the spring, well, you know, this is an eight acre field. It's an, and it's really a nice piece. It, it really has a good stand of cover of, of cereal rye in the spring. So we'll keep it. You know, the, the hardest part is finding, finding the place to, to uh, clean it because our air seeder requires it to be clean seed. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm still looking for a, for a Clipper 27. If I could find a nice one, I'd, I'd love to buy one. So anybody listening, if you got one, uh, Sarah's got my contact information. I'd love to find one. <laughs> we'll be right back to the podcast. But first, I want to thank our sponsor. With a tradition of providing farmer solutions since 1930, Yetter Manufacturing Company is your answer for tools and equipment to face today's production agriculture demands. From many different designs of planter attachments for the different planting conditions you face, to several options of equipment for placing fertilizer and products to meet harvest time challenges, Yetter delivers the return on investment and tools to meet your equipment needs and maximize inputs. Find solutions to your challenges today at getterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. And now back to the podcast. So um, you mentioned that the winter wheat seed and the cereal rye is pretty easy for you to source. Where do you get your cover crop seed from? If I'm not growing it myself as the cereal rye, I have uh, some neighbors in the other side of the county that that uh, they're not necessarily full-time farmers. They they have well, my one has a tiling business. That's his main thing, but he has a few a few little uh, fields around, and he just likes to dabble in it. He wants the straw, and so that's you know he's found a little niche there. Um, I can go to uh, my uh, my agronomy retailer. They they have sourced some right over across the river in Illinois, and there's there's a that's a pretty large source over there. Uh, but then I'm having to pay a little bit of a markup. So if I can go direct, I'd much rather go direct and take a semi over or or, or, or you know a five six hundred bushel wagon over and get get what I need. Um, there's there's another small seed dealer, and when I mean small seed, I mean they deal strictly in small seeds. Um, that's right across the river. And that's another retailer that, that we've been able to get some from too. Uh, past when it's been short and hard to find, I have gone to my regular seed dealer and they, uh, my, my regular seed dealer, uh, happens to be, I, I plant a lot of Beck's seed and they sell cover crop seed. So I go there, you pay a premium for it. 
so we try to we try to source local if we can. So talk a little bit about uh, the equipment that you use to seed your covers. You mentioned your your air seeder. Uh, what what make and model do you use, and and what does your setup look like? In in years past, we've used uh, John Deere seven fifty no till drills. A lot of bearings, <laughs> a lot of bearings. Can't say that enough. There's a lot of bearings. And they're only 15 foot wide. So what we've gone to is we went to a Great Plains Turbo Max, um, and it's a 24 foot uh, vertical till machine. And and we like the Turbo Max because we can change the the pitch of the blades just ever so slightly. So that way we can throw just a little bit of dirt to hold that residue down. Because if you go with the straight blade. What we found is that it makes your neighbors really mad because your corn stalks blow to the their field and they don't like that. And we don't want to lose and we don't want to lose that fertilizer that's in that stalk either. You know, so um, so that's why we've gone to a Great Plains no uh, Turbo Max, um, and that is uh, twenty four foot because in our hills it takes a lot of speed for that machine and. Uh, 24 foot is about all we need. Uh, our biggest horsepower tractor is a 340 horse and it grunts in some of these hills trying to pull it at nine miles an hour. Now, on top of that, Great Plains teamed up with Gandy on an air seeder applicator. And that has a hopper that sits right on top. That hopper holds 20, I want to say about 2,300 pounds of, of rye seed so we can normally we're we're normally seeding our our seeding rate is normally about 56 pounds or bushel to the acre is what we're doing so we can do about uh i i think in my math rough math about 30 acres of fill um you know and and so and you're moving along at 24 foot at, at eight and a half to miles an hour that that's a pretty good you know i mean you can cover some ground and about every hour hour and a half you want to get out and stretch your legs anyways that's when we get out and fill so that's that's what i really like it it doesn't you know it's very similar setup to a disc uh, a regular tandem disc as far as the amount of bearings goes so we have we don't have as much replacement of bearings like you do in a in a no-till drill um it's, it's just been a nice setup and it's very durable and and I really, we've run it now for, I think maybe five years. I really, really like the way to do it. I, I, I like how it does a little bit of processing of the corn stalks to help us start degrading that down and getting those nutrients broken down and back into the soil where we want them. So yeah, that's, that's our main thing. Uh, you mentioned uh, your tractor sometimes has trouble over those hills. What kind of tractor are you pulling your air seeder with? So we're, I have a, a 340 Magnum. It's with front wheel assist. So we have the technology in there for auto steer. And then we also, through that system, we've kind of changed our seeder around a little bit. And we do, so then it has automatic clutches to turn on and off. And so that way we don't overlap and, and stuff like that. But, you know, nothing nothing spectacular about the tractor. It's just you just when you when you go to these vertical tillage tools, whatever they are, it's all about speed. And whenever you need speed, you need horsepower. And 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 you look at what we're pulling behind it, and you think, well, that's overkill. But not when you have to go eight to nine miles an hour. It's not. It it just takes a lot of horsepower. Sure. So, um, have you ever had experience planting green into your cereal rye? I have not we 
I don't, I do not have a crimper around. I just, when, when we're, when we, when we're planting labor is always kind of, we're always short of labor to be honest with you. And, and to have another tractor and, and, and another body to sit in that for our operation, it'd be pretty tough. Uh, I, I just haven't gone that far. Now we've, that being said, we've we've sprayed and planted into cover crop that's a waist high, <laughs> and and it's every time you try something new, you're going to learn something whether it's good or bad. And uh, I can tell you that when we we planted some soybeans a little bit late, we were doing some tiling. It happened to be on this farm where we were doing the bioreactor at the same time. And by the time we got that all finished, we were a little bit late planting our planting our beans in the into that cover crop. So I just let it keep growing until we were ready until the tiling was all done and we could go in and plant. And, and we went in and we killed it off and then we planted into it uh, about five days later. And I have some cool pictures of us planting through it. And I have some, that was the planter that we happened to use that just, it was the one planter that was there, I guess was a, a Kinsey planter that we had just a 16 row. Cause like I said, we were late planting beans and we wanted to get them in the ground. So we took a corn planter, put the bean cups in it, started planting. Now this planter had hydraulic downforce on eight rows. And then it had the spring downforce on the other eight rows because we use it as a test planter. And we were testing out the difference between the hydraulic downforce and the springs. And and on this planter, we also had the pneumatic uh, row cleaners. So you could, you know, you give a farmer a little bit of technology and it's pretty crazy what they can do. They can find some pretty interesting things to do. And so I started planting in this field and I thought, well, this is kind of fun. I said, well, I wonder what would happen if I turned the row cleaners and put more pressure on the row cleaners. And so I did that. I thought, wow, that really looks nice, you know, from the tractor cab. And why would we want to get out and go look? You know, let's just keep going. We're in a hurry. And um, it turned out that the hydraulic downforce did a lot for going through that because it was able to hold those planter units in the ground. But those that had the springs on, it couldn't hold it in the ground and overcome that the force of those pneumatic row cleaners. And so we learned a great deal on what not to do when we plant into cover crop like that. We learned that uh, you need to have the right equipment on, on your planter to, to make you look like you know what you're doing. I guess that makes sense. It does make sense. Sometimes you learn more from those not so great experiences than you do from a success. Um, so last question here, and, and then we're going to, we're going to have to wrap up. Um, what does your crop rotation look like? We're kind of just like everybody else. It seems like around here, we're a lot of corn soybean rotation. I sit on the Iowa soybean association board. So we say corn's a great rotational crop for soybeans is what we like to say. Um, so, but you know, there are certain fields that really lend themselves better to being in alfalfa production. They're smaller fields. You know, our combines have bigger heads. So if you got to take a head off to go in through the field and then you have to run something over just to put your head on, well, that field might make more sense to have an alfalfa. So when we can slide them back into alfalfa, we do. Uh, if we're on some little bit hillier ground uh, around here, um, we like to leave those in alfalfa if we can. 
but most of the other ground is is a corn soybean rotation now that being said down at our hog buildings we're doing a lot more corn on corn down there we have the fertilizer available we have the manure available we're really trying to that farm that we put the bioreactor on it's a farm that we've only owned for about five years now that farm needed some help when we purchased it so we're trying to build up our organic matter we're trying to build up our our nutrients in the soil and so we're trying to do a lot of that with corn on corn uh, manure and cover crops so that's that's kind of our our what we're doing here so uh, that's all the time that we have for today and thanks so much for joining us rob once again i want to thank yetter manufacturing for sponsoring today's episode find solutions to your challenges today at yetterco.com that's y-e-t-t-e-r-c-o.com be sure to look for information about the upcoming National Spring Cover Crops Summit, where Rob will be a guest speaker. For more information about all things cover crops, visit us online at covercropstrategies.com.